This is Power Players with Dan Clark. That's Dan Clark with Power Players with Dan Clark. As I've had an opportunity to be a podcast host for a long, long time now, my privilege is to interview superstar student-athletes from the University of Utah, my alma mater, where I played football and baseball. And of all these sports that I've had an opportunity to look into and kind of pull up the covers and find out what the mindset of a gymnastics champion is like, what the heart set of a gymnastics champion is like, it sets this particular sports competition in a, in a class all by itself. Because when we start talking about mental toughness, when you go to an elite event and you watch these athletes compete at the highest level possible, you always see more than just muscle and bone going through motion. You see heart, you see desire, you see sacrifice. Going to the gym instead of out with your friends. Uh, maybe forsaking a prom because you're off on some competition and some meet in some exotic place. And it's my privilege to have on this particular episode, Miley O'Keefe. <laughs> and I love to look up the statistics because I'm 6'5", and in my heyday I was about 278. And then you have these amazing gymnasts who are far better athletes than any football player, any basketball player, any tennis player, any golfer, because they use every inch of their bodies and uh, Miley comes strolling in at a whopping five feet, two inches tall <laughs> with a million dollar smile. And uh, I am such, I'm so excited to interview you tonight and, uh, and, and find out what makes you tick. Welcome. Thank you for having me. You're wonderful. So let's start at the beginning. Did you grow up in Las Vegas and that's where you went to school? Kind of give us your background, your, your pedigree. Tell us a little bit about your family. <laughs> yeah, so I was uh, born and raised in Las Vegas. Um, I started gymnastics when I was just about three years old. I actually got a Christmas present from my aunt and uncle to start and do like a one-month free trial because their son was doing gymnastics and he was teaching me flips in the backyard and I guess they just decided that that was probably unsafe and I needed to be in a gymnastics <laughs> gym. Um, and so that, I mean... That was like the start of the end of everything. <laughs> so I have a three, maybe three and a half year old granddaughter. <clears throat> her mother was a state gymnastics champion. Her coach was a good Ute and a great Olympian, uh, Missy Marlowe. Uh-huh. And I know you're familiar with that name because you are uh, also a, a national all-around champion. <laughs> Congratulations. But I will go down. She lives in Arizona, and I'll go to her gymnastics uh, classes and she's not doing a whole lot. She's you know hanging on a bar and she's learned how to do consecutive somersaults. Yeah, and she's very coordinated, very very smart. But put it into perspective. So what what were you doing at three years of age in the gym? Then were you really learning how to do a flip, or were you just kind of <laughs> you know here's a cartwheel and it looked more like you fell off a tricycle? You know. Yeah, I mean at that age you are just doing forward rolls and backward rolls and hanging on the bar and going up to your hips on the bar and walking in a line on the beam and maybe doing little kicks here and there, but it's not very much. Yeah, I mean, as uh, you progress, you obviously start learning much more, and that could be very quickly or it could be more gradual. So, I mean, it kind of just depends on you. But 
Um, were, you, was, were you a quick study? Did you? When did you finally do some kind of gymnastics move? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not entirely sure. All I know is that back then, you had to be six years old to compete at the lowest level, and the lowest level back then was level four. And so I was chomping at the bit at five and a half or so to compete, and I obviously couldn't because there was an age restriction. And so they'd let me, like, exhibition or whatever. So at level four, you're, like, doing cartwheels and round-offs and not much to it, maybe, like, a handstand on the beam or a little split leap here and there. Um, But then I kind of progressed very quickly. I did, actually, two years of level four just because I was so little. And then um, I did one year of level five, so I was about seven years old at that time or eight and then I passed through level six like there's a way that you can just get a certain score and move on really quickly so I did that and then I did half a year of level seven and half a year of level eight so essentially like I was at a meet in California I remember this and on a Friday I competed level seven and then my coaches talked to my parents and were like you know she's ready for level eight if like we want to register her for the meet tomorrow and she can do like a level eight meet and I just was like yeah, of course, like, I'm eight years old, like, I want to do gymnastics as much as I can, and so I did that, and that was also probably about the time that I started homeschooling, so I was in, like, the middle of third grade, I believe, and my coaches just felt like I needed a little bit more time in the gym to really become the gymnast that I knew, they knew, everybody kind of felt like I could be, so I started my homeschooling journey, and, um, then the next year, I went level nine. Wow, at age nine? <laughs> yes, I was a <coughs> nine-year-old level wow. nine, um, like the youngest in our state and I think our region or whatever. Um, you know, I was just very little, and I made it to, like, the furthest you could go in level nine, which was Westerns. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't have a great showing, you know. Mental aspect wasn't there. I remember being at Westerns, and I didn't swing bars with grips yet. Oh, I was wow. just, like, my bare hands which is pretty, like, unique for that level just because you're starting to do some, like, bigger skills. And a different coach came up to me and was like, oh, my gosh, like, how do you swing bars without grips? And I was like... You don't, didn't know any different, maybe. I look at my hands, and I was like, how do I swing bars without <laughs> grips? And it was like, all of a sudden, I forgot how to do gymnastics. And <clears throat> so that was kind of like a eye-opener to, like, the mental aspect of my sport and how much outside stuff can I love it. impact that. Um, so I've had the privilege. I uh, I was inducted into the National Speakers, the Professional Speakers Hall of Fame the same night that Peter Vidmar was inducted. We've been friends since he came out of the Olympics. Uh-huh. So I knew Bart Connor very well, and Nadia Komenich yeah. have had a chance to interview her and Carrie Strug and yeah, Patterson. Awesome. And my first interview... Uh, with a gymnast, a gold medalist was with Mary Lou Retton mm-hmm. way back in the day. And I remember she gave her first speech. We shared the stage together at the Superdome. And it was way before she got married. And it was it was just an awesome experience. And she said with that big smile, those little bubbly girl, she said, Dad, will you uh, kind of evaluate my speech? I was a professional speaker. And I said, absolutely. And so when she finished and she got this huge standing ovation of it was awesome she says what do you think and I said you know what in order for you to take your speech from where it is to where it has the potential to be 
I think you need to share stories about not you getting that perfect 10 that we all watched, witnessed on TV. I want to know how many times you crashed and burned and were so close to quitting just learning one element on the bars, just one mm-hmm. element on the beams. Yeah. And uh, so two of my three children were gymnasts, you know, and they were state champs. And uh, and I just loved what Missy Marlowe taught them as a dad when they fall off the beam, when they crash and burn off the bars. I want to rush from the stands and pick them up and dust them off and say, it's okay, it's okay, hang in there. And that's not the culture. The culture is get back up on that apparatus and finish yeah. your routine. Mm-hmm. Such an awesome sport, Miley. I just, I honor you. So here's the question. Okay. Take us back to, I mean, Ladies and gentlemen, she holds the Utah record. I think she holds the national record for the most perfect tens on the beam. And because I was a gymnastics father, dad, I saw all of the events, and my daughters competed on all of them. And the beam, by far, is the toughest. It's the hardest, especially to sustain that highest level of consistency. So take us back to, that's why I interrupted you right now. So you're at level 10, Level nine. I mean, level nine, and you're nine years of age. But talk about how many times you crashed and burned. How many times did you actually get on the verge of tears or crying your eyes out, and you really wanted to quit, and why you didn't? Yeah, I mean, there are so many more mental aspects to this sport than there is, in my opinion, physical. We are physically ready at any given moment. It's that mental aspect that really holds us back or sets us apart. Um, So probably at this age, I was like learning back handspring layout, step outs, side aerials, uh, different things on the beam. Um, And at this point, I wasn't quite comfortable on beam. You know, you're nine years old. Nothing is really like comfortable flipping and doing all this crazy stuff on a four inch wide piece of wood, essentially. And I remember being very, very afraid of, like, my dismount. I did a back handspring step out, back handspring two foot, like, full twist or one and a half, something like that. This episode is brought to you by Master Electrical Service, one of the premier organizations in the state of Utah who support our student athletes at the University of Utah. So let's talk. You have to (laughs) break down the skill a little. No, because, you know, it's football season. We're in the playoffs. And every kicker these days in the NFL is a soccer-style kicker. And if you watch them, they come to the the holder's hand, and then they back out, and then they actually meticulously step to the left or or to the right. They measure Mm -hmm. the exact number of steps and the distance to the inch of how far they are from planting their – their, their mm-hmm. plant foot and kicking the ball. Yep. So visualize, ladies and gentlemen, a beam four inches wide, and now you're on that beam. You have to have spatial awareness. You have to have your mm-hmm. bot. You have to be in total control. And now after you finish this routine, you've got to know exactly where you are on the beam and then exactly how much distance you cover in two back handsprings so you don't flip off the edge. Yeah. And are you judged? Are you – Are you? Are you uh, is your score – discounted if you're too far from the edge of the beam? Do you have to go right to the edge of the beam before you did this twisting uh, dismount? Uh, No, you don't. Um, But with the measuring of, like, from the length of the end of the beam, you'll see a lot of athletes put little marks of chalk on the beam. I still, to this day, and I think most athletes in gymnastics will do that because 
you don't want to be off, of course. That's dangerous. You don't want to be too far from the end. You don't want to be too close. You don't want to miss your foot. Um, so, like, we have a way of measuring, and it's funny because I still do it with lots of different things that we measure things with, like, our arms on the beam. Like, you'll see us, like, go like this and whatever. So, like, still to this day, I'll measure stuff with, like, my arms. During your routine? No, no. Before our routine, yeah. We'll measure that way. Yeah. But, um, no, you don't get deducted for being, like, too far away from the edge. I mean, you would only get deducted if you punch too far and then you end up hitting your head on the end of the beam or something like that, you know. But I don't know why. It was just so scary to do this skill for me. And um, luckily, my mom did not have the mindset of wanting to rush onto the floor every time I fell down. Um, I say luckily, but, you know, at that point of nine years old, you're like, Mom, like, help me, you know, of course. But I probably wouldn't be the athlete or the person that I am today if every time I fell down or had a hard day, she cuddled me or whatever, you know. Um, So, I mean, I was very lucky in that aspect to have somebody kind of just continuing to push me and be realistic with things and, Um, My coaches were also very amazing. I had great club coaches, and they never, ever would let me do things that I wasn't capable of. I did um, maybe in elite, especially some watered-down routines, not like the hardest stuff, but I was clean and I was safe, and that's what my coaches were all about. I love it. So let's break down the beam. So who... Who invents these exotic maneuvers? Uh, you know, you almost think they're being smoking medicinal marijuana, and they come to and say, I think we're going to teach this young lady how to do this, and you're going to have to just kind of go along with it. So break down a basic beam routine and how you add each element. You just focus on one element until you get it perfect, and then you add a second one, and then you add a third one until you have a whole routine. Teach us. Yeah, I mean, there are different, like, requirements um, in, let's just talk college gymnastics, you have to have a acro series, which has to include one flight element, which means you can't use your hands. Um, you have to have a leap series, which includes at least one leap of 180 degrees, which is like a full split position. You have to have a 360 degree turn, and then you have to have a dismount of a like C level or above. What is that? Um, so like right now I do back handspring to gainer full, which is a a full twist off of one leg off of the side of the beam. So that's like, it's just like their, that's their value. Like A is the lowest value score. Um, I mean, skill and then a B skill and then a C and then a D and then E so on and so forth. I think the highest only really is done by Simone Biles, of course. And it's like a crazy eye or something like that. Um, So, I mean, yes, uh, you're trying to work uh, skills one at a time. And then once you have that skill, you can add more to that skill. Like when I was little, I was learning side aerial, and now I do a side aerial layout. But you can't just work on one aspect of a routine and expect it to all come together at the same time. You have to work every aspect of your routine and put them together all at the same time. Okay, so So. what what is Beam your favorite Favorite. I mean, when you're an all-around champion, you c- you have to just kind of leave the beam and go over to the vault and then leave the vault, go over to the, the, the bar. So teach us about how, how how that works. What was your favorite, what has been your favorite event? Yeah, I think in general, uh, throughout 
my career, if anybody asks me that question, what's your favorite event, I would usually say bars or beam, depending on the day. Uh, floor is usually third, and vault is always last. I am not a fan of vault, um, but usually bars and beam are my favorites. I just feel like they're both very different, so I, I'm not necessarily sure I can choose exactly which one I like more, but yeah. Okay, so a conversation I had with Mary Lou Retton way back before you were born. So she gets the perfect 10, you know, wins the all-around championship at 16 years of age. How old are you? I am 21. You're so awesome. <laughs> and so we started talking, and I said, can you remember one element that you learned on the uneven parallel bars that taught you perseverance and so as we started to talk it turns out that is the best of our ability through little video clips that we watched that she was working on one element simple how to go from the bottom bar to the top bar and back to the bottom bar and she kept missing and crashing and burning and she crashed and burned 14 times before she got it right crying mm -hmm. and so to put a little element in her speech Ladies and gentlemen, what would have happened had I quit, had she quit on the 14th crash, never realizing that just one more attempt would have brought that perfection she was looking for so she could add that element to her entire routine and eventually become an Olympic gold medalist. Mm -hmm. So teach us, teach this, these young girls, teach these moms and dads about perseverance, about when is it okay to quit or why haven't you ever quit? I don't even know how to poise the question, my friend, but I know you get it. Yeah. I mean, there are a multitude of skills that I could go on and on that have made me question whether I want to continue gymnastics or not. I mean, 14 times. If, if that was her first day working that skill, Mary Lou Retton, and she learned it in, on the 15th try, that is amazing because I think I have failed hundreds of times on a skill before I actually get it. Wow. Because, like, especially those big skills, you know, like the ones that just move you to the next level or whatever, you crash hundreds and hundreds of times, and there's going to be that one time that it clicks and it comes through and you catch the bar or you actually finally land on the beam or something, and it's, like, the most amazing thing. I remember learning new skills and always having our recording camera out when I was getting close because you just never knew which one it was going to be. <laughs> but, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, like Mary Lou Retton, what would have happened if I just decided that this wasn't worth it anymore? I mean, um, one skill that I can for sure tell you that made me think I wanted to quit gymnastics was the series that I do on beam to this day, a side aerial layout step out. I was 14 when I was learning it, and I mean, it's just so crazy to go from going forwards to going backwards, not seeing where you're going, the mental aspect of like committing to the skill once you go, like balking and just like everything, and um, I was homeschooling at this point, like I said, and so I would practice from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., and I'd have, like, a lunch break in there. Don't worry. <laughs> um, and yeah, Your mom's nice. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and so it was past 5 p.m., and I was still going on this skill just because, like, 
my coaches weren't a fan of balking or just like leaving things undone. So they're like at 5 p.m. They're like, go take a little break, come back and continue because like you're either going to do it or you're not going to do it. And I was like, uh, okay. And I'm crying, of course, at this point, you know, I'm frustrated. I'm upset. I don't really know if I'm ever going to get this skill because it's like just a little scary, of course. And how old are you? 14. Whoa. Yeah. So I'm about in eighth grade, I think. Um, and I remember, I don't think I did that skill before I left home. It was kind of just one of those things that at that point I wasn't going for it and I don't think that was going to change. So they just told me to go home. And I remember getting in the car and talking to my mom and being like, I really want to quit. Like, I want to quit gymnastics. I think I'm done. Like, I don't know. It's just not fun. Like, it's too hard. And she was like, okay, if you want to quit, that's fine. But you're not doing a different sport for another year. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I can't, like, register for softball or do something different. And she was like, no. Like, you're going to quit. And then you have to wait and sit on it for a year and then see if you really want to do a different sport. I was like, well, that's silly. Then I'm going to continue doing gymnastics. <laughs> and I think it still took me a while to get that skill and really commit to it and go for it. Um, but it was really the skill that kind of turned things around because if I could do that, I felt like essentially I could do anything. So This podcast episode is sponsored by Master Electrical Service. Thank you for sponsoring and supporting our University of Utah student-athletes. So, 16-time uh, All-American, 2023 National All-Around Champion and Beam Champion, ranked first in the country in Beam, obviously, first in the world, probably. They, there's probably fans on Mars going, go, Miley, go. <laughs> and... Uh, so what's next? You know, I, I, I was reading through your, your resume. I'm so impressed. I, I honor you, my friend. Because uh, nobody knows how many thousands of hours you've put into being this champion that you are. But the question is, now that you're 21, how has this, how has this experience helped you become a better human being? You know, uh, whatever your future plans are, uh, teach us about how significant life the life lessons were that you learned from gymnastics that you don't know if you could learn with, that you and I both know that every athlete knows you never learn in a class you never learn from a book and yeah. kind of itemize some of those those lessons those life lessons that you learned in gymnastics that will help you become the very best version of yourself as you move forward I mean I can think of some life lessons that gymnastics has taught me and that has sport has taught me throughout my life, and then there are some that I probably won't ever realize that it taught me. Um, some that I know it has taught me is perseverance, like we just talked about, um, resilience, the power of really not knowing or understanding how strong you are until you do, uh, discipline. Um, I could go on and on, of course, um, but I've just been really lucky to have some amazing coaches throughout my entire career, uh, starting with my club coaches that I stayed with through my whole career. I wow. grew up with them essentially at that gym until I graduated high school and came here to Utah and have been very lucky and blessed to be under equally as amazing coaches here. Um, 
And I mean, I've grown a lot more as a person, I think, coming to college. Um, I mean, I was homeschooled until from third grade until I graduated high school. Mm. So I, you could imagine I was maybe a little bit socially awkward, uh, <laughs> everything like that. Um, but I mean, gymnastics really is an individual sport until you come to college. And learning that difference coming here and learning how to be a leader, not just for myself or for the young girls in my team, but for girls who are also alongside the journey with me. Um, that is something I never would have learned anywhere else but college athletics. I love it. So what do you say to a teammate who, who, who fell, who, who didn't accomplish the goal? I won't tell you the name. I guess people could do the math. I shouldn't even say which state she was from, but she was an Olympic champion. She was she was a world champion going into the Olympics, number one in the world, picked to win it all the gold. And she had the worst Olympic showing that anybody can imagine. She takes 12th. And I remember the, the interview with her with her parents on TV. It just it just broke my heart as a parent. And her mom says, I can't believe that she failed. I can't believe that she wasn't able to, you know, step it up. They were so embarrassed. They were so brokenhearted. They were so mad, you know, thinking of the future that, that the gold medal would have brought to her. And so let's talk about who who drove you, who, not in a car, but, but, but spirit-wise, who... You keep bringing up your mom. Was she just that solid rock, saying, "I'm here for you. you." You know, I'm proud of you. If you fall off the beam and land on your, you know, your back leg, you know, I'll still buy you ice cream on the way home. I mean, talk about the relationship you had with your mom and how she dealt with your failure. And then the bigger question is, because of what you learned from your sweet mom, who I'd love to meet, because you know, a gymnastics <laughs> champion mom is a special human being. But then how that transposed into you being this team leader and what you say, how you behave, how you interact with your fellow teammates when her heart's broken, when she falls off the off the beam and, and thinks all is lost, you know, thousands of hours and now bam. So Yeah. Um I think my mom has grown a lot. I've talked about how of course she pushed me when I all I wanted to do was give up. Um and that was kind of who she was. And she had a very close relationship with my club coaches. So they would talk to her. And then, of course, everything went through her, which I honestly think once I got older, of course, and could actually communicate with my coaches in a proper manner, um, that they, when they didn't do that, and it was kind of like they were going through a third party, it put this sh strain on my mom and I's relationship, actually, because everything that they wanted to do went through her, so I felt like it was just coming from her. So I, I've i gone through my patches with my mom, of course, because she's been that hard rock for me when I'm at the bottom, but she's also been the pillow that I needed when I need it. Um, and I think coming to college, she's grown into the spot of always being that like medium you know when you need them they're there but they're always there to push you to and um 
she's always the person that I go to after a hard meet and can hug and just kind of let it out and really feel everything that I'm feeling. And she knows somehow exactly what to say. It's good. And, um, that mother's intuition. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely transposed into the way that I like to lead because you really have to feel things out in the proper manner and not just approach them in the moment with exactly how you feel because you want them to feel it themselves first before you really go up to them, you know, that way you can have a clear conversation and get their feelings from them in a clear way and not just emotion straight off the bat. I love it. You know, and I think it's also hard because we do train so hard and for the most part we always hit our stuff and when it comes down to pressure and you just don't, sometimes the last thing you want to hear is, it's okay. You know, sometimes you you really just need to know that, like, you know, I disappointed myself. I know I can be better. And you just really need to, like, sulk in the moment for one second. And then after the meet is over or whatever, the next day in the gym, you know, that's when you can really have a good conversation with them and get across what you want to say. And they can also say what's on their mind, too. Okay, so let's play this philosophy game. I love quotes. I'm a songwriter, so it's the hook that sells the song. You know, my buddy Tim Nichols, he wrote Live Like You're Dying for Tim McGraw. McGraw. So do you understand, do you agree that there's a difference between the person and the performance, that failure is an event, not a person? Yes. So how do you not feel like a failure when you blew it on this particular event And then you have to be resilient and bounce back. Um, It's funny you say that because as a team, we're actually reading Row the Boat. um, And it talks about how failure, a failure is somebody who gives up. Failing is the act of not reaching your potential at that giving moment. I love it. So, I mean, there's no such thing as a failure. If you continue to show up in the gym, put your full foot forward and even in the meet, just kind of closing the door on that one event and moving on to the next. And whether you're competing, cheering on your teammates, or whatever you're doing, kind of just, like, not giving up and letting yourself be a failure in that moment. Know that failing is just kind of a part of the process and part of the growth and learning. Do you agree that under pressure you don't rise to the occasion, you fall to your level of training? That's why we train and prepare and practice so hard. I've never actually thought about it in that way but I feel like I would say yes I agree with that I mean if you're hitting a hundred percent or 95 percent in the gym and under pressure that's what you do then that's who you are and that's what you've been doing versus rising to the occasion you know you can't be more than what you train to be I love it you said it better than me it kind of ticks me off (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's get really personal. How in the world do you prepare for a gymnastics meet? What do you do on gymnastics meet day? And you know it's usually in the (laughs) evening. You know, we've been season ticket holders forever. And so take us into your personal life. What happens on meet day? Mm, That's a good question. You know, it's going to be very short and sweet because I don't do much. I usually will wake up, hang out with my cat, make some breakfast, 
I start to get antsy and nervous and shaky and jittery. And so at that point, I probably have a little bit of like nervous stomach. I'm not too hungry after breakfast. Do you have a pre-meat meal like we would have as a football team? Uh, no, we don't get together like as a team or anything. And I don't have a specific meal that I like to eat or anything. I'm not very superstitious in that given sense. But you don't, I mean, would you eat like carbs or protein or? All of the above. Right. Uh, how, how, how long before the meat starts would you chow down? <laughs> I'm not super strategic. I kind of just eat when I'm hungry. Um, more so you might have like a breakfast burrito on your way to the, the to the Huntsman Center? Yeah. <laughs> Serious. Yeah, like I've uh, packed uh, packed a lunch before and brought it to the dump key with me, and it. or I brought it to the Huntsman Center and like you know during warm ups I'm like oh I'm kind of hungry so I go in and I'll take a bite go back out to the warm up floor and I mean and then I'll usually get a coffee or some sort of caffeine just because like it's a long day and no matter how good I slept I always feel like I need more um, I love it and then usually about an hour and a half before I need to like leave my apartment or Wherever we're leaving, I'll start with my hair, do my makeup, go to the gym, do a couple of my teammates' hair, and then kind of just hang out, listen to music, maybe make some TikToks to let off some steam, you know, just kind of relax. What's your favorite kind of music? Good old Michael Phelps, I interviewed him, and, you know, he was way into the heavy rap before he dove into the into the pool to set a world's record. So what's your favorite kind of music? <laughs> Um, <clears throat> I don't have a favorite kind of music. Nope. Um, I will listen to really anything. I mean, I just kind of put on a song that feels my vibe for that day. You know, if I'm feeling calm, it's more of a calm vibe. If I feel like I need a little bit of hype, something a little more hype, um, really just depends. So, yeah. <laughs> Your answers are so awesome. You know, I've interviewed so many of the football players and <laughs> Clark Phillips, one of our superstar defensive mm-hmm. backs, he um, his dad was a preacher, and he would listen to hymns before the game would start. And I'm like, this is football, you know. Football's not a contact sport; it's a violent sport. Dancing's yeah. a contact sport. And teach his own. I just think that's so amusing. Yeah. So, kind of a final question. So, why did you get opportunities to go to other schools coming out of coming out of homeschool? Yeah, yeah, I did. And why did you choose the University of Utah? I'm cut and dried, crimson blood. Yes. Um, So, yeah, I had a lot of different opportunities coming out of elite gymnastics and high school. (coughs) And uh, really came down to the coaching staff, the area, the program that I was going to enter for schooling. I mean, it literally was just everything was perfect here. I... Didn't like specific places for, like, super silly reasons, but they were also... I also had my other reasons, you know? Like, I didn't like OU because it was, like, Tornado Valley. I didn't like Florida because there was big bugs and it was humid and um, stuff like that. So, I mean, like, Utah is close to home but not too close. Uh, It's perfect for my family to be able to come out every single weekend and watch me compete. Uh, at that point, I was really interested in physical therapy, and we have a great physical therapy program here. Um, of course, the legacy that Utah Gymnastics is, um, the fans, the people, the crowd, the coaching staff, the support that we receive here from everybody who is a part of our program and who isn't a part of our program, all of the fans and donors and 
everything. I mean, it was just like a perfect storm for me to come to the perfect place. This episode of Power Players with Dan Clark is sponsored by Master Electrical Service. So what is your major? I've actually already graduated with my undergrad degree in kinesiology and I minored in nutrition. And then for this fifth year, I did a certificate in psychology. Very cool. Yeah, I majored in psychology. So what are your plans for the future? What's your dream job? What do you want to do? (laughs) Um, My dream job is to be a college coach. I want to kind of stay around gymnastics. I think if I just were to cold turkey right away after this year and not be a part of anything gymnastics related, I would have an identity crisis, essentially. Um, And I love coaching, and I love the process of being able to help people grow as athletes and humans. Um, so yeah, that is kind of my goal. And of course, I think it'd be a great, like full circle moment to end up back at Utah and, you know, be a coach here for a long time. And so, yeah, that's very cool. Anything else you want to say to the world about how we can support you in NIL? How do we follow you? What do we, you know, how, how do we, how do we stay in touch with you through social media and how can we Step up and, you know, buy you a new car and a, a new house <laughs> and maybe give you round trip first class tickets to wherever you want to go. I mean, come on, step it up and let's start milking this NIL opportunity. I mean, Utah does an amazing job as an athletic program with our uh, donors and NIL opportunities. We're very, very lucky here, but um, I'm probably most active on my Instagram, which is just my name with the underscore between my first and last name. And that's M-A-I-L-E, Miley, correct? M-A-I-L-E underscore O-K-E-E-F-E. But I mean, Utah and NIL just kind of go hand in hand. It it makes sense. And, um, you know, we're very lucky, like I said. But I think NIL is an amazing opportunity for every student athlete. And it's cool because you can dive into it as much as you want and you can pull back as much as you want. You know, you don't have to say yes to every single opportunity that comes your way just because it's a check or this or that. One thing that I really love about NIL is that you can do as much with it as you want to. And I personally really enjoy working with businesses that have a meaning towards me and I don't take very many like willy-nilly NIL things just because it's another opportunity or something I love to keep my social media very uh, true to myself and so if I'm going to be posting about a business I really want to enjoy their product and know who they are and love their product and promote their business that way I can promote it as authentically as I can absolutely Ladies and gentlemen, Miley O'Keefe, this has been amazing. Every time I've asked you a tough question, you just simplify it and say, "This is just how I. This is how I roll. No superstitions. No, I'm not going to step on any lines. On yet, this is so amazing. And I would suspect that my greatest compliment could be is that you're exactly the same off the floor, off the gymnastics meet, if you will, as you are on the gymnastics floor and in the gymnastics meet and that's my ultimate compliment you are a wonderful young woman thank you thank you and so uh much. it's just really really cool to have you represent us as you i uh like i said earlier i'm just a cut and dried you 
band, you know, season tickets on the Wearing the, the blue, though. This is the only shirt. I live in Arizona. <laughs> I flew in just to interview you, so I live in Arizona part of the year. Wow, and thank that's you so really, much. that's really sad that you would bring that up. I think we're going to re-record this entire <laughs> interview so we can edit that out. But I, uh, I, on behalf of every other former Ute and, and fan, you represent a heck of a lot more than yourself here, and we honor you for that. You, you, you make us look good. You make us so proud. Thank you so much. And it's just an honor to have you here. And if you do not have season tickets to... The Red Rocks, you better get in line because there's about a 15-year waiting list to get tickets where we sit. Yeah, they just go down <laughs> through the generations, so it's getting harder and harder to get <laughs> But it's tickets. just so amazing. So what would be a final thought? You know, I've asked every athlete that I've interviewed to look in the camera and just kind of tell every parent out there why their kids should come to the University of Utah, <clears throat> why their daughter should come to the University of Utah, maybe not even as an athlete, just to take advantage of our culture. Uh, any wise wisdom in the cameras right there, my friend? Um, <clears throat> I think... Here's the sales pitch. Here's the recruiting. Yes. Here's the recruiting video right here. <laughs> um, when you come to the University of Utah, especially as a Red Rock, uh, you have coaches that are going to care for you like they're your own. Um, like you're their own. Sorry. And, I mean, you really just have the opportunity to do everything and anything that you would want with an amazing crowd, uh, 15,000 people, and lots of other people that are unable to make it to meets. Uh, we are truly blessed to have everybody alongside ourselves. Here you have it, Miley O'Keefe. And uh, I don't even know how to, how to end this interview except just saying thank you for being a champion. You're amazing. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. The views and opinions expressed on the Power Players podcast do not necessarily reflect those of KUTV or Sinclair Broadcast Group.